Amen. I appreciate that special music. <laughs> Especially that stellar piano playing. <laughs> Let's turn to Joshua 11. Pride goeth before destruction. <laughs> That's what you're about to witness. <laughs> Joshua chapter 11. We've been out of Joshua for a few weeks now. And uh, tonight we return to this series. These last few chapters of Joshua have been about conquest and battle and war. And uh, we've talked about Israel claiming uh, victory by letting God lead the way in battle. But we've also observed a little bit as uh, they decide to do things their own way, right? And it costs them dearly. These are both pictures of our daily walk in life. Uh, we're all promised that we'll fight battles. Nobody... Nobody's exempt from it in total victory, as we've talked about in chapter 6, the last time I spoke. Total victory is only found when we surrender ourselves to approaching our battles God's way. When we decide to go the, the path of following God's plan, uh, to go off the path, that is, the consequences are often painful. And uh, Israel has experienced uh, highs and lows in this nearly uh, seven-year journey uh, of conquering Canaan, but they're not finished yet. They had conquered the south. And now the north had to be defeated as well. And that's where they're about to have their hands full. There's two words that highlight the book of Joshua that, um, that you're going to see this theme over and over and over again. And those two words are trust and obey. Remember that old song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Just like the Israelites when they committed to follow God fully, uh, whether that be to march around the greatest city in Canaan and say nothing when it didn't make sense or whether it meant that meant they had to go into a city and destroy everything. They were following God's plan and God blessed them for it. And the same goes for us. Uh, we have the formula for success right here. And our instructions, I think of the late uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, one of his famous quotes was, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. And when Israel did that, they experience success. We're going to see what tonight what the consequences are of trusting and obeying God. Uh, they began this conquest in chapter 6 of the southern region of Canaan in chapter 11 where we are tonight. They're going to begin their march through the north. We're going to read through this quickly. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to skip around. So let's start in verse 1 though. And it came to pass when Jabin of king of Hazor had heard that those things that he sent to Joab king of Madon to the king of Shimron and to the king, that king right there, and to the kings that were on the north of the mountains and of the plains of Chinneroth and in the valley and in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Jebusite and the Termites and the Parasites, and to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpah, they went out and they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand is upon a sea shore in multitude, with horses and chariots very many. And when these things were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Pay attention to verse 6 here. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt huff their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Skip down to verse 15 really quickly. As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone 
of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Now let's go to the very last verse in verse 23. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. Um, to do our best to speak at this time we have left on the subject, trust, obey, rest, repeat. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you so much for this time tonight. Lord, thank you for the music. Uh, Lord, thank you for how you have blessed this church. God, I need you tonight. I needed this message even as I studied this week. Lord, I needed to hear the things that you spoke to my heart about. Lord, I don't get it right, but Lord, I, I declare tonight, Lord, I need you. I need to hear what this passage says. Lord, help me to live it out. Lord, thank you for uh, this time that I run your word. Pray that you'd bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go through the chapter really quickly, as quickly as we can, and uh, kind of break down what's going on. So verses 1 through 4, I read those, all the kings. And what's happening here is this set of armies in the north has heard about what has gone on in the south. Israel has come through and they have conquered the south, and now the north gets the, the bright idea. Remember in college, you ever, did you ever grow up as a poor college student? Like, okay, then you translate into a poor adult? <laughs> But we know, did you go to college and then like you get this bright idea with your buddies? Hey, we can't afford that New Yorker pizza from Pizza Hut. So we're going to put our money together and we're going to get that pizza and we'll just fight it out. Who gets to eat the rest of it later? That's what the northern armies did. They put together the first super team. That's what they did. They came together and they said, we're going to attack Israel all together and defend the north. So what they had here um, were about 300,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 cavalry, 20,000 chariots. And that's why they described it here in, in, in Joshua as it seemed as vast as the sand on the seashore. These armies had heard about Israel's success in the south. They, the Israelites had been experiencing these supernatural victories that the Lord had brought them through, and word traveled fast about it. Uh, there's, a, there's a great comparison here to our lives as Christians. How many of you uh, thank God for it, but we've experienced victory in our life over something? When you experience victory, you have a target on your back. Uh, it, you are on the devil's list when you're walking with Jesus. And this is what we have here. These guys, they, they are after the Israelites and so they decide to pull their armies together. So the Israelites were outnumbered and outmaneuvered. History tells us that when we talk about these horses and chariots, this is a newer element of battle. So the Canaanites were ready. They were a formidable foe. They were technologically advanced. Remember watching like Ben-Hur? They had the, the, the spikes on the chariots. That's real stuff. That's what they did. And they had the horses. Uh, and these battles were increasingly becoming more difficult for Israel. And as God continues to bring them through trials, through battles, just like he brings us through trials and battles, we rely on those prior victories to help us face what's coming ahead. Israelites knew that they were outnumbered and outmaneuvered. And so that brings us to verse 6. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them. Now, why in the world would he, why in the world would you tell your child, don't be scared? Because your child looks at you and they're scared. If you're outnumbered, however many Israelite soldiers they had, 
And they have 300,000 foot soldiers. They have chariots. They have horses. They're a lot faster than people. That's how that works. And it's, it's going to make, they had reason to fear, didn't they? Naturally, when they looked at it through natural eyes, Israel had reason to fear. That's why God said this to them. This was a new challenge for Joshua and for Israel, and they needed a fresh reminder from God that he would be there. Joshua was a great leader. We've read about this. Joshua was a great leader, a great military strategist, but he was also human with real fears and real struggles just like us. We need those same reminders. Do not be afraid, or the phrase, something along those lines, is mentioned 365 times in the scriptures. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. The first time it's mentioned is in Genesis 15. The last time it's mentioned is in Revelation chapter 2. It's all throughout scripture. Those reminders are for us as well. Do not be afraid. We can walk this Christian life trusting Jesus. Verse 7, so Joshua came and all the people of war with him against them by the waters of Merim suddenly, and they fell upon him. This is the military element of surprise. Joshua fights here with boldness and with strategy, but he also fights with complete obedience. Verse 8, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel who smote them and chased them into the great Zidon into yep that town right there, and the valley of Mizpah eastward, and they smote them until they left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. He huffed their horses and burnt their chariots with fire. Now before you go asking uh, questions about this or why would they do this, you know, this is, Joshua is doing exactly as God has commanded. There are plenty of reasons for doing this. The Canaanites used horses. When we say huffing the horses, it's called hamstringing. Basically, they're crippling their horses and burning the chariots up. So there were plenty of reasons for doing this. The, Canaan used, the Canaanites used horses in pagan worship. The Israelites weren't trained to use horses yet in battle. They did not want to use the enemy resources unless God had instructed them to, which he didn't at this time. This was a common, also a common practice in warfare. Destroy the enemy's resources so that they couldn't use them against you again in the future. Um, one, one author said this, In this way, the temptation for Israel to use these things in future battles was removed. The Lord was their surest defense. And as long as their eyes were on him, they lived in obedience to his revealed will. He would give them success. Without these horses and chariots, without these technological advances, the Israelites were forced to depend on God for victory. And it reminds me of that verse in Psalms, Psalms 20, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Don't use the tools of the enemy in your battle. Destroy it. The world, will, the world is going to offer you plenty of ways to cope in your time of trouble. Christ is our sure foundation, though. The Israelites were to fully depend on God for their victory, not the tools of the enemy. Verse 10. And Joshua at that time turned back and took Hazor, that's a city, and smote the king thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. Joshua went back and cut the head off the snake to be an example for, for anyone who else would, would rise up against Israel. If we want to defeat the things that cause us to have spiritual defeat, kill it. Get rid of it. Whatever it is, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Let's continue on quickly. Verse, verse 12. And all the cities of those kings and all the kings of them did Joshua take and smote them with the edge of the sword and he utterly destroyed them as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded. Let's skip down to verse 15. And as the Lord commanded Moses his servant, we already read this, so did Moses command Joshua 
And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone that the Lord had commanded Moses. Remember what James 1.22 tells us? Joshua was not just a hearer of the word of the Lord. He was a doer. What an example for us. Let's skip down to verse 20. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should, have, that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. At first time reading through this, that sounds pretty, pretty, pretty rough treatment, doesn't it? The Lord hardened their hearts. Let's back up, though. Canaan has had many, many chances to repent. Remember, earlier in Joshua, and even in this chapter, the Canaanites have heard what has gone on. And God made sure that the Canaanites had heard about the great things that he had done in freeing Israel and Egypt. They'd also heard of the other kings that had been defeated. They had the same opportunity. And this was, this was very interesting when I read this. They had the same opportunity as Rahab did. But two very different outcomes. Evil and sin had to be dealt with. And God had judged Canaan for its sin and the Israelites weren't doing something cruel and unusual, uh, but rather following the direct leadership of Joshua, who was following the direct leadership of Moses, who was following the direct leadership of God. In order for the Israelites to settle the land and be the nation that God had intended it to be, all pagan and evil influence had to be eradicated. God's people had to engage in battle to take possession of what God had for them. Today, the, what this looks like for us is spiritual warfare. We fight against the schemes of Satan to undermine God's work. Do you believe me when I tell you that we fight spiritual warfare? If you don't believe me, try getting ready for church without killing one of your kids. <laughs> Every now and then, I get here pretty early with Pastor Jay. He, he beats me here by about half an hour usually or more. But uh, whenever I get here, sometimes I get that phone call. Do you see what your kids have done? When it's, when it's a lot of trouble, it's my kids. If you don't believe that we fight real spiritual battles, determine to give more and see, see what falls apart on your house or your car. Determine to be servant in a place and watch obstacles come in your way. Do you, think, sometimes, do you really think that's all a coincidence? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We fight spiritual warfare everywhere we go. We'd better be prepared for it. We were, we're going to face it daily. That's why Ephesians 6 talks about putting on that full armor of God. Verse 21 and 22. At the same time, Joshua cut off the Anakims, not the Star Wars people, from the mountains, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah, and from the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod, there they remained. These are the big boys, okay? These are the giants in the land that the spies had come through in, or in Numbers, I think it was uh, Numbers 13 and 14. They had come through, and they had seen these giants in the land. Remember the, the story about the, ten, the 12 spies? Ten were bad, and two were good. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that said, we can take these guys. Joshua and Caleb had faith that they could take the land back then, and God fulfilled that faith by enabling the Israelites to take them out. This is an interesting point, though. It says here that the, some of the Anakim remained in outside cities like Gath 
Anybody remember the significance of a city called Gath? Some 500 years later, a guy by the name of Goliath would emerge from Gath and give Israel problems. God allowed Israel to fight the biggest enemy last after they had won battles, and they were prepared for this. We've got to trust God's timing when we face battles in our lives. Often these little things that we face prepare us for the big battles in our way. Um, Ashley and I have had this conversation many times, and I, I absolutely mean this when I say this, but we have faced things, and I've looked at her, and I said, if God can walk us through cancer, he can walk us through anything. And that's just not just my story. That's not just her story. You can fill in the blank with your story right there. If God can walk you through this, he can walk you through anything else. Those things are the faith builders in your life for when you face the giants later on. This is what's happened. They take them out. They kill them. Some of them are in these coastal cities like Gath, but in verse 23, so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to the divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. There were still small battles to be engaged by the tribes of Israel. Um, that was for their inheritance. Our life is like that. We have an inheritance promised to us, don't we? I'm thankful for it, but we've still got battles in our way. We've still got battles ahead. Think of the cultural battles. We have to live in this world but not be a part of it. Think of the spiritual battles. We, we fight our own sin every day. Think of just life itself. John Wayne said it this way, life gets tough sometimes. It's tougher if you're stupid. <laughs> sometimes the battles of our own doing, aren't they? Think about the family battles you fight. And I, was, I was listening to a sermon of someone who preached through this passage, and he said, Think about the battle it is to, to pray and battle over the souls of your children. Have you, that, was, that was convicting to me. Have I battled lately in prayer for my family? What a convicting thought. Joshua fought these battles with laser focus. It reminds me of this verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about, about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand before the throne of God. After all those battles were won, they rested. It's good to find rest, isn't it? When we rest, it helps us to take into account what God has done. Uh, Alan Redpath, a pastor, said it this way, Sometimes in the course of human experience, it is good to sit down and reflect on what has been conquered by the grace of God. When we rest, we remember his, we remember his goodness and the victories that he's won. Three points I want to point out to you from this passage tonight. Uh, from this chapter, number one, the reminder. Verse six, the reminder is that we are not alone. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel. How many battles have been fought during these chapters of Joshua? How many times has Joshua had to go out to the Israelites and motivate them and say, Let's go. We've, we've, this is the commandment. This is the, these are the orders. Even when Israel may not have had the upper hand. 
But here God is, just like he always was, right in the midst of them, just as he had promised. One of the major themes of the book of Joshua is a reminder of God's faithfulness. That's why they memorialized it with stones. They recorded the words, do not be afraid. We serve a faithful God. You're going to face battles where you have way more questions than you do answers. We are promised that. But a greater promise in Scripture is that we will never fight them alone. What a treasure in Scripture here. Secondly, the response. The response from Joshua to the reminder is total obedience. Verse 15 is the verse says here that Joshua left nothing undone. This commandment was given first to Moses and then Moses gave it to Joshua and then Joshua gave it to the Israelites and they executed it. They couldn't have done this unless they had committed to obey the word of the Lord. These reminders that God was with them, that they shouldn't be afraid, that they were going to have victory, gave Israel that confidence that they needed to fight, knowing that God had already fought for them. It's one thing to jump into an alley fight on your own. It's another thing to jump into a fight when you've got somebody backing you up. That's the confidence that Israel fought with. Is there something that's left undone in your life? Is there something that God has spoken to you about that's undone? When the battles were over, there were still smaller battles that the Israelite tribes had to face on their own in order to take these lands that they wanted. Each tribe was to apply what they had learned in corporate battle, but somehow some of these Anakim Soldiers got back to the coastal cities like Gath. That oversight was going to afflict Israel years later, 500 years later, as a matter of fact. The last time we spoke, we talked about uh, in order for total victory to happen, there had to be total obedience. So we have the reminder tonight, we have the response, but then we have the reward. The reward was rest. Rest from the conflict. Reminds me of Matthew eleven twenty eight. You can turn there. The verse will be on the screen, I think. Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All ye who labor and are heavy laden. Jesus directed this call to those who are burdened. He called those who sense they must come to him to relieve their need instead of living in self-sufficiency. Israel couldn't do it on their own. Labor, that word labor implies the burdens that we take upon ourselves. But that word heavy laden implies the burdens that others put on us. They're both kinds. Sometimes we need rest from ourselves. Sometimes we need rest from the world. This, this world is full of battles that you can see and some that you can't see. We fight both, but we don't fight alone. So my encouragement to you tonight is if you're in a battle right now, if you're not in a battle right now, prepare yourself. Draw strength from those prior victories because God is faithful, but tomorrow brings new challenges. If you're in a battle right now, know that God has given you the keys that you need to live victoriously through His Word. Trust and obey. If you're just coming out of a battle, enjoy your rest. Draw strength from His Word. There's other battles that you have no idea about ahead on your way. This wasn't the very end of Israel's battles, but it was for now.
This life that we live is a constant cycle of spiritual warfare. But His faithfulness, His goodness, His mercy, I can testify to it tonight. We'll be there tomorrow just like it was today. He is faithful, and these battles don't last forever. And I'm thankful for the rest that we talk about on this earth, but we also have an eternal rest that we've been promised after these battles are over. I'm looking forward to the day when we don't fight those battles again. I'm looking forward to the day when we don't have to hear about cancer and disease. I'm looking for the day when I don't have to fight myself every single day. I'm thankful that He brings rest, but it only comes when we trust and obey His Word. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. God, I pray that I would live this out, even what I've talked about. Lord, I need Your help. Lord, so often I, I let the battles affect my mind. I let it affect my whole day. Lord, don't give us enough thought to, Lord, to the fact that You've already fought ahead of me. You've already won the battle. Lord, help us, Lord. Take a hold of your word tonight. Apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed, nice closed. If you need a place.